This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture, episode 253 on deck here for you. Thanks for listening and tuning in. always appreciate uh, everybody making the time to learn together, to grow together, to move forward together. Uh, Today, we want to talk about a topic that I'm not sure we've covered into a lot of depth before. Uh, I think Christina Potnar, when she was on the show, we talked about digital policies to an extent. But today we want to talk about legal issues that podcasters need to think about when they are podcasting, kind of what we're doing right here. So I I invited on the show the podcast lawyer, talk about a title, Gordon Firemark, uh, based in the LA area, I believe. Gordon, how's it going today? Hi, Christoph. Very good. Thank you. Well, who, who better to talk to than the podcast lawyer when it comes to legal issues? And probably a topic I don't think about daily. What's, uh, what, what should people like me think about when they, or companies when they start their podcast? What's, uh, what do we forget about? Well, that's the big thing is that people don't think about this stuff often until it's too late. And by too late, I mean somebody's either suing them or they've had their content taken down off of their, uh, you know, their media hosting platforms or, uh, or, you know, they're getting involved in some kind of a dispute or a disagreement. Now, the good news is most of the time that doesn't come up. But, you know, uh, if you, if, you, if you're not thinking about some of these issues, they, these kinds of problems can arise uh, sort of suddenly, and it can be devastating to a business or worse yet, if you're not in business, your podcast is a hobby. It can be devastating to other areas of your life as well, because your assets can be exposed. You know, you, nobody wants to lose their home, right? <laughs> No, that is correct. Um, so, but but what do I need to think? I mean, so when I invite guests on, right, I always make sure they understand that we're um, that we're broadcasting, yeah. right? Everything we say. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of editing here and there, and I've had guests before say, "Oh, that can't go out." Um, when we do a live stream, it's kind of a moot point because the only way not for it to go public is don't say it, um, right? Yeah, because we're live. Well, you know, one of the one of the first things is a lot of people get into podcasting and think, oh, it's just like the radio shows I, I listen to, you know, when I'm in my car driving or or whatever. And and for a lot of us that grew up without the internet, you know, radio <laughs> was our main source of of of, uh, of uh, media entertainment a lot of times. The thing is that podcast is very different from the medium of radio. Yeah, it's the same kind of content it's audio content mostly i mean you can do video podcasts too but you know you're 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 creating this audio content but radio is ephemeral it means it goes out once and then it's it's sort of gone there might be a recording hanging out somewhere but you know it isn't usual that that recording sees the light of day except you know in the most extraordinary circumstances and in those circumstances the lawyers get involved so a lot of folks think oh i don't need to get my guests to sign any kind of a release or or permission or anything like that and i'll say that podcasting is a different medium and you do need to have your guests sign a release this is sort of my my big crusade 
if you do nothing else, get your guests to sign some kind of release or, you know, manifest the intention that is behind a release. Nowadays, we don't always have to have a blue, you know, wet blue ink on a piece of paper, but, um, you know, an e-signature or checking a box when they sign up to be on the show or something that acknowledges that you have the right to record them, that you have the right to use that recording as you see fit in any and all media throughout the universe forever and ever and ever and ever. And um, without that, all those consents, it's entirely possible that a guest comes back weeks, months, years, even a decade later and says, you got to take that episode down. I don't like it anymore. I don't want it there. And I'm going to sue you if you don't. And uh, uh, believe it or not, they might actually have a claim. <laughs> you know, even though there's this implicit consent to these things, getting it in writing so it's not revocable is really the issue. I get that from, from guests when we get started, right? I ask you if we have permission to to do these podcasts the other thing too is but chris you don't mind, let me let me interrupt because yes you do ask yeah. but one of the problems that i say with the oral consent that we that you refer to is that if you're not a lawyer you're probably not going to remember to say all of those things each each and every time and that's why i really press for you know first of all getting it in writing in, in gives some sort of a formality but also it's make sure that it's a complete consent Remember, you know, I said any and all media throughout the world or universe is what I said forever and ever and ever. And um, irrevocable is another component of that. So, uh, you know, that's why I prefer get it in writing if you can. Get it in writing if you can. So the other question I have, though, so let's dive into some other legal issues yep. to think about <clears throat> that. Um, but um, if somebody were to call me from one of my first episodes, by the way, some of my first episodes were just horrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't blame anybody to call and say, Hey, can we take that down? I, I don't know, like what would convince me to not just take it down? Like, why would you know, like, why do I need to stand my ground, so to speak, and keep it up if they truly don't want it out there anymore? Do companies do that? I guess? Uh, yeah. So a couple of scenarios that I mean, look, it is always in your prerogative to decide mm -hmm. to take it down to, to cooperate with that request if that's the way you want to handle things but here's a couple scenarios one if you're a journalist and you're doing journalism and and not every podcaster considers themselves you know doing news or, or journalism but if you if you do then taking down an episode amounts to admitting that you did something wrong and that you know the journalistic ethics might be mm -hmm. a thing it also might be a a, a a discontinuity in the story that you're telling over a period of time through your journalism. Uh, and I've actually had clients who that was sort of the situation. They, they were telling a story and that early episode that had the guest who wanted it taken down was sort of a part of laying a foundation for something more. So all of a sudden the gap in that feed uh, signals, maybe there's something problematic, fake news, you know, maybe the, one of those kinds of things. Um, but also if you have advertisers, on your show and they're paying for their message to be put in that episode to be out there for people. Their expectation is it's going to be out there on an ongoing basis. And if you take that episode down now, do you owe the advertisers money back? Those kinds of issues can come up as well. So, you know, you have contractual obligations around your podcast that go beyond just you and the guest, at least sometimes. So, you know, look, it's always your prerogative. If you feel that the, you know, look, if you want to maintain a relationship with that guest, if you want to, you know, protect because they could lose their job or, you know, you don't want to be a bad person. But on the other hand, you've got other considerations that you may have to consider. 
That's probably what I would do. Uh, honestly, somebody would have called and said, can we take this episode down? The biggest thing, will you just mention the continuity, right? Because I, I, I uh, put numbers on my podcast. So we even told people uh, what episode this is. So then of course, now you're missing an episode. Doesn't mean, uh, I mean, you still have done an episode, but yeah, I grew up in journalism, right? Would have been unheard of 15 years ago, Gordon. From right. I mean, to, to I mean take yeah, in journalism, we have retractions, but you know, it's not like you can, uh, you can uh, delete all copies of a newspaper forever and ever, you know, once they're out there, they're out there. And right. uh, that's sort of the, the idea here anyway. So it, it also depends on why they want it to be taken yeah. down. Right. So if, if, for example, if they say, um, Hey, you know, I said something wrong, I got in trouble or whatever. Um, and now, quick plug to Anchor, which is how we record this episode. You can actually go into Anchor and you can edit a podcast after it publishes and it updates. That's right. So that's kind of a neat feature, um, which, you know, of course, you can't do with a newspaper or TV program or a radio program. Once it's out there, it's out there. And people and, and that editing is another component where the consent is really important, you know, for the release that I'm talking about, because you know, it's one thing to consent to be recorded. And it's another to say, and you can do what you want with it. You can chop it up. You can break it into segments. You, you know, yeah, arguably with the proper consent, you could even turn the words around and, and change the meaning. That wouldn't be very good journalism either, <laughs> but you know, theoretically you could, and what you don't want is that accusation coming later saying, Hey, you took my words out of context. You didn't have my permission to do that, whatever, you know? And uh, obviously as a journalist, you don't want to, create a misinformation or a misapprehension of things but at the same time you you know you want to have the flexibility to do an editorial uh, pass at the work yeah absolutely interesting um you know for the record everyone uh, we do very little editing on here very very little every once in a while when there's a long break and we're all thinking or <laughs> right. we're, we're just we're just exchanging ums and ahs <laughs> then i might edit those out but for the most part it's uh it's the whole thing where somebody says something they decide they don't want public uh, yeah. that happens as well what are some other things that uh that we need to think about uh when it comes to legal issues when we produce our podcasts and and well the, the big one is the intellectual property you know if you are using content that you didn't create yourself originally from scratch mm -hmm there's a good chance that there's someone out there who owns that material as a copyright or a trademark or something. And if you're using other people's stuff, you, you really do have to have permission. And one of the big, again, uh, people come out of the, this notion that it's just like radio. Well, in radio, the radio station pays a license fee for the use of the music that they play. But my guess is most podcasters aren't paying a license fee. Now you're, you're using Anchor and Anchor is owned by Spotify and Spotify has a certain kind that you can do some music oriented podcasts. But as a general rule, you're not allowed to just drop a piece of music in as an intro or an outro and stuff like that unless you have licensed it properly. But so many uh, folks out there are wanting to use a piece of music or a clip from a movie or read from a poem or a book or something like that. So another common misconception is that, you know, there's you can use a few seconds of music or, or uh, you know, a, a, a short clip from a film or something like that. And the, the, that's not the way the law works, uh, unfortunately. So there's, there's this notion of something called fair use here in the United States that, you know, uh, under the First Amendment, we allow a certain amount of small amount of use for uh, certain kinds of purposes that we as a society have decided are, are valuable 
and we want to have them free, but it's a complex analysis that most podcasters just aren't equipped to do. And the, you know, just because you want it to be fair use, it doesn't make it so. <laughs> I love that quote. Uh, just because you want it to be fair use doesn't mean it is. So, but how, what is fair use? I mean, how, uh, what's interesting about this, I hardly ever, I mean, I don't think I've ever used any music on here, even though Anchor, as you kind of hinted at, Anchor now allows you to use full length songs. But here's the problem with doing that. Anchor is owned by yeah. Spotify. And when they play the songs, they only play on yeah. Spotify. But this podcast goes to like 20 mm -hmm. channels. So how good does it do me that the thing only runs on Spotify? It's kind of a waste of my time, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, how do we, what's fair use? What, like for the purpose of podcasting? So fair use arises out of the, um, the First Amendment, freedom of speech in the United States. And the, the courts had to, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, 100 years ago, they had to wrestle with this issue of, well, a law that says you can't copy is sort of contrary to a law that says you can say anything you want. You've got free speech. And so the courts had to figure out a way to wrestle with this. And they developed this sort of complicated four-part test. And you look at these four factors, and I'll, I'll list them. Um, the first one is the uh, purpose and character of the use in question. You know, the alleged infringing use, if it's educational or, um, or uh, you know, social commentary kinds of kinds of stuff, then it's going to be more like a fair use. If it's a very commercial use, it's less likely to be found a fair use. Um, the second factor is the nature of the original work and uh, sort of a, a, a look at whether or not the new use is sort of transforming that into something very different in character. Again, is it the kind of thing that society values or is it just sort of there? Uh, the amount and substantiality of what is taken is an export. And that's where, this is where people get the idea that you can use, you know, 10 seconds or, or 16 bars of a song or those kinds of things. It isn't just the quantity. It's also the qualitative part of, of amount and substantiality of what's taken. And so you can take a very small snippet, but it can be an extraordinarily important, meaningful chunk of a song or a clip or, or whatever it is. And then the fourth factor is the impact on the market for the original. And again, people take the position, well, I didn't make any money from it. That's not the question. The question is, did you deprive somebody else of making money from it or of the opportunity to say no to a use that they wouldn't have approved? That's also part of the market analysis. So you have to balance all four of those factors and, and you know, sort of weigh it out on balance. And unfortunately, there are no rules of thumb. It is uh, an, an ad hoc analysis. We do it each time there's a question of fair use, and if you use five clips of songs or something in your one podcast episode, that means we've got to do that analysis five times. Uh, and usually we don't really do that analysis until we're uh, standing in a courtroom in front of a judge and a jury, and that's really the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So is this on a podcast, I mean, typically is it songs or other audio recordings or how do you see that play out in, well, in real life? Well, there are a lot of podcasters out there who want to use music. They want to do a music show. You know, they want to be the next um, uh, Casey Kasem or, or Joe Benson doing their, you know, the record guide <laughs> where they do a deep dive analysis of a whole album or something like that. That's one kind of, of show um, that you see. There's also lots of movie review shows where they want to play, uh, you know, a, a scene from the movie and then 
talk about it or maybe more than that maybe they want to run the movie the the soundtrack from the movie and talk about it all the, the whole time you know uh, sort of a mystery science theater 2000 kind of a vibe there there's you know and and i've heard of shows where they're reading poetry every episode you know ah. uh, someone uh, posted a question on facebook a few weeks ago about you know uh, can I just read a chapter of the book that I like, um, you know, as a business book, I want to read a chapter a week and talk my, my audience through it. And, you know, that's, you're making a copy of the book. You're, you're doing an audio book. Guess what? The author of the book has the right to do that. Not you. <laughs> so all of these kinds of things implicate this stuff. And, um, you know, when you know, I look, I've been a, an entertainment and media lawyer for 30 years and, this is really not any different from if you're making a television show or a radio program or a motion picture or doing an adaptation or a play or, you know, all those things. You have to get the permissions to do these things. Unfortunately, most podcasters are coming to podcasting without any formal media production training. You know, the, the equipment and the software and the technology has gotten so good and so easy to use and affordable that the playing field is very level, but you don't have to have the kind of training that, you know, when I went to film school, uh, you know, we learned this stuff. We learned how, how to properly do things. And, um, so unfortunately we've got a lot of folks out there, uh, flying by the seat of the pants and not always following the rules. <laughs> that, that, that's a true statement. So, um, what I was just thinking about when you said, you know, somebody reading my uh, reading a book on their podcast, that's, you know, that's another podcast, quite frankly. And it is because I actually have a podcast for my book. I, I literally talked about sure. every chapter, you know, and there's 24 chapters mm -hmm. and 24 episodes. So very true. But what's also interesting to me is, yes, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. But why wouldn't people just reach out to the author and say, hey, can we read your book or can we read excerpts or can you right. come on the show to talk about your book? I mean, you have a book. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever had an author say to me, no, I don't want to come on your show right. to talk about my book. <laughs> but they might say, no, you can't just read my book into your microphone. And, uh, uh, you know, right. cause then you take away that's the impact on the market, right? You just, everybody who listened now doesn't have to go buy the book. Well, but, but I mean, I'm not unreasonable. If somebody, were, it's, mm -hmm. and I'm totally hypothetical, it has never happened. But if somebody were to call me and say, Christoph, I want to read your book on the air, and then we want to do a book review or something. Uh, what do you think of that? And I say, well, that sounds interesting. But, but, you know, I would figure out, can yeah. you like promote it? Or can you post the link? Well, and how about do whatever? excerpts I mean, rather than the whole book? You know, that's, that's another approach yeah. that you can still get the message across about the book and the quality of the book, but then, you know, it, it helps you, as you said, promote the sales of the book. So. Right. Very interesting. In, in a nutshell, in my mind, yeah. do the right thing, Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but okay. So if somebody were to do something like that though, how, how do people catch people? Like if I were, if somebody were to read my book, granted, mm -hmm. I have a Google alert set up and granted, podcasts are getting indexed better and yeah. better i mean by the day it seems and now they're showing up you know mm -hmm. on, on the google homepage. in fact i've seen examples where podcasts you can rank with your podcast even if you're not the number one yeah. hit for the website search um so how do how do we know that people aren't you know 
Well, using our content. getting caught is, <laughs> is, is an interesting question. Uh, one way you know is the Google <laughs> alert that you just described, um, or somebody in your, in your audience reports it to you. Hey, I was listening to this podcast or whatever. Uh, or the title of the book ends up in the podcast title, the episode title, and, you know, eventually you, someone searches it or finds it or whatever. You know, it, it, um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it goes unnoticed by the owners of copyrights. But, uh, um, you know, as I say, not getting caught isn't the same as, as being legal. And uh, uh, when you do get caught, the consequences are pretty darn significant. So... I want to, you know, I'm here to educate. I want to, I want to help people understand the rules and why they're there and and how they work. So, so what are the consequences? Let's say, you know, a podcast, they do, um, uh, they use yeah. somebody's content without permission and, you know, how, how does well, that look? What, one step, what can that, and this is probably the least troublesome one is that your, uh, the, the infringed material the owner of the infringed material sends a dmca takedown notice to your web host your media hosting company uh, and the media hosting company under the law in order to save themselves from getting sued <clears throat> has to take it down right away within i think it's usually about 24 hours so they get that notice they take it down they notify you hey one of your episodes is taken down because xyz and these people made this complaint and then you have an opportunity to respond and say you know explain why it should go back up and then the hosting company will put it back up and leave you to duke it out with the owner of the copyright directly and then the the hosting company is is therefore in what's called a safe harbor they're not amenable to being sued in these lawsuits so that's that's possibility number one but then that lawsuit itself means you're being sued right you've got a a, a government a court filing against you saying, hey, you have infringed on these copyrights and hey, court, give us money. So step one is you've got to go hire a lawyer. That's going to be a check for five to 10 to $20,000 off the bat. Uh, by the time you're finished duking it out in this lawsuit, it's probably going to be closer to the six-figure mark. So you're spending an awful lot of money to prove your point that you're <laughs> justified in what you're doing. Even that fair use defense <laughs> is going to, I mean, that's what the defense would be. That is a huge, huge time-consuming endeavor. It's going to be years out of your life fighting this lawsuit. And then if you lose, if it's proven that you were infringing copyright and that there was uh, no fair use, you could be liable for as much as $150,000 per infringement. And then that's, Per, is that per episode or per listen? Or how, well, there's, what's, that's what's a good question. There is some dispute in, um, you know, different courts have handled it different ways. I think it's probably on a per episode basis uh, or, or per use within an episode. So if you use the same song, you know, clip from the song at the beginning and another one in the middle and another one near the end, that might be three uses, three infringements. Uh, but it's it's probably not for each download that's taken. But the number of downloads will be a factor as the jury and or the judge starts to look at well, how much money are we going to give the, the the plaintiff, right? If you've had a lot of downloads, it's you know they're going to probably hit you harder with a bigger number. That's the statutory damages uh, that ranges. I mean, I mean, it can start at as seven hundred fifty dollars per infringement, which almost makes going to court not worth it. But uh, if, you know, if things are 
if the if the owner of the copyright has done things right by registering their copyrights and and uh, and following the, the the rules on that side of it, then the defendant could be on the hook for anywhere from thirty grand to one hundred and fifty grand per infringement, and that's pretty significant. That's the that's when I joke about you don't want to lose your house, do you? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Well, because I, I would I would think that most podcasters probably have not made a half a million on their right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that'd be my guess. But sometimes it's not direct revenue anyways. Um, so how, uh, I mean, it's just easier yeah. not to one other use thing, anything without One other thing I left quite, out frankly. is but, that on those DMCA takedown notices, yeah. it's a three strikes and you're out kind of a thing. Most of these uh, uh, media hosting companies are going to say, look, we've had too many of these takedown notices. You're too big of a risk for us. You're off. You're done. We're, we're canceling your account. Go away. And that's a big drag too i mean it's a hassle you could overcome it but it's a hassle so yeah you're right it's just easier to play by the rules so uh, in this this example though um basically they would go if it's a podcast they would go to yeah. anchor right that's where my podcasts are hosted is that uh, where they would go yes i mean yeah it's yes anchor it's owned by spotify but it's the same people same basic operation and i'll tell you i have on behalf of clients i have been called upon to send notices to anchor and they act on it pretty quickly interesting so do what's right don't steal people's stuff when you go into anchor though so i i mean i don't <laughs> actually let me back up for a second when i was with united way 10 years ago for this exact yeah. same problem that you just described what we did is when there was no podcasting back then, but there were other video productions and those kind of things. And every time we did anything, I just had a friend of mine or a friend of one of the teammates. They produced yeah. a song yeah. for us, right? That they wrote that they, so that's, and then we got their permission to use it and then we gave them credits. So problem solved. Um, but it was just easier. Now I don't use anybody's music, I, but I do use the music that yeah. anchor offers to me, right? It's in there. You can download yeah. it or not download it, but you can use it. I mean, that's okay, right? Because uh, that's part yeah, of the I haven't package. read those terms of service, but I presume that Anchor is making that available to you under license in a way that lets them grant you a sub-license to use that stuff. And yeah, that, that's that's why they have it there. Um, you know, it's not the most innovative library of music, but it's there and it works. <laughs> that That is true. It works for what I need it for. Um Gordon, what other things are you seeing out in the market that people are asking about? Uh, and of course, the other question I have to, I mean, you have your book here, the podcast, uh, blog, and new media producers, yeah. legal survival guide. We'll have a link in the you show. You don't notes, want to just read course. it, do you? Uh, <laughs> what's the interest? I said, you don't want to just read the book <laughs> <What? do you? laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> not right now. No, we're not going to read. Right. We're not going to read it on air, but if you guys want to read it there you go. quietly yeah. to yourself, click the link in the show notes. Um, what's the interest? How did you, I mean, I know you were in entertainment and, and those kind of things. What was the interest with, the, you know, it was really, a, well, it lawyer. started out as me scratching my own itch. I decided, uh, you know, I started podcasting in 2009. So what's that about 12, 12 and a half years ago now. And, um, the, uh, uh, yeah, the impetus was, you know, I, here I was doing this media production and I, because I had a background having gone to film school and, and uh, studied radio, TV and film, I kind of knew the issues were there. And I just, I, I needed to 
check it out for myself. And I was doing some research and I thought, well, this would make, you know, I could write this stuff up. And so that's why I wrote the book. And uh, I've always been, as a lawyer, wanting to help creators to get their word out, get their message out and avoid these kinds of problems. So it was a natural step for me as I became a podcaster to uh, uh, point a part of my practice in that direction as well. And it's interesting too, because podcasting kind of has a little, has a yeah second spring here or whatever, right? It took off a few years ago and currently it seems like everybody's doing a podcast. And in fact, I was on the radio the other day, NBC News, and the, the uh, host said, everybody that I talk to now has a podcast, <laughs> do you? <laughs> That's fair. So I thought that was kind of funny, but... Uh, you know, it's certainly taken off. Uh, what what do people usually hire for hire you for? Is it um, the creator side or um, people trying to, to to settle a copyright um, infringement? Yeah, or, or I, how do you, what do you work so with? So if it's how? going to court, I'm going to be handing it off to somebody who you know specializes in the trial stuff. But um, my practice basically, <clears throat> I, I help people with. The business setups, you know, that we, some of the stuff we haven't really talked about is when you're for, when you're starting up the podcast, should you form a corporation or a limited liability company? I think that's an important consideration if you're going to treat your podcast as a business, if you're thinking of it as a way to make money or or drive business to another business, you know, that might be something to consider, especially if you're going to be selling advertising or or, uh, or doing other kinds of marketing within the show. Um, relationships with the co-hosts or co-producers or the other people who work on the show because you have to get that stuff taken care of in a way that makes sure you own what you think you own as you're the producer creator of a show. Um, and uh, yeah, I do get involved in some disputes around that kind of thing. I'll tell you about that in a second. And then the other area that I work with is uh, protecting mm -hmm. the intellectual property, the title of a show, for example. Uh, how would it be if somebody came along and, and adopted a, a, another, created another show that had virtually the same title as yours? Be pretty confusing to the audience. And we have legal structures, trademarks, and things to protect against that. So I help with that. And, um, you know, when when your show goes big and you start to get an exclusive deal with a particular network or platform, I can help with negotiating all those deals. That's, you know, where the business starts to get bigger. I represent some small networks as well. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm here to help the, the creators. That's really my sort of mission. Uh, but those, the networks are also here to help the creators. So I view that as, as on mission for me as well. So I started to mention the, the, uh, the struggles between what, what I'll call co-owners. Uh, you know, someone comes on as a co-host, they are co-creating the show with you. And unless there's a clear documentation of an intent otherwise, they may very well be considered a joint owner of the copyrights in your show episodes. And that becomes a problem when one of you gets ticked off and leaves and tries to take your ball and go home. Or when, you know, just things change. Somebody gets sick and dies or backs out of the show or whatever. And then they're their family comes along and says, well, wait a minute, we own, we want to share the money. You know, how, and anytime money comes into the mix, <clears throat> uh, things get tricky. So uh, I really like to advise folks to think about this stuff, get your business stuff in order so you can focus on creating great content and, uh, and not have the headaches that can come later on. I mean, there's certainly so many things to think about. The the uh, so I do have an LLC, mm -hmm. and of course, this podcast is part of that LLC. 
Um, but how do you, do you have to declare that somewhere? Or I mean, at the end, should you say this podcast is produced by Trap Digital? It's or not is a it bad really idea to include that kind of a, what we call a origination credit. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Most podcasters don't bother, but um, on the website, it would certainly indicate the ownership there. The copyright register, copyright notice, excuse me, should say the name of the company and not the name of the individual person. And uh, yeah, but even if it isn't uh, clearly stated that way, uh, if, if there were ever litigation, they would be coming after the owners, producers of the show, and you'd be able to show that that's not you personally, that's your company. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting discussion. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I asked you to come on the show, Gordon Firemark. Um, the, the book will be linked in the show notes. Well, you know, first Any off, I would say that we talked about the podcast you? guest release issue, that I, and I want to make sure everybody knows I offer a free release anybody can use, lawyer-drafted guest release. If you go to podcastrelease.com, that's the best way to get it. You have to give me your name and email address, and I'll send you a few. I'm not going to bury you with email, but I'll send you a few. And uh, yeah, and then the book is at podcastlawbook.com. And uh, you can go to thepodcastlawyer.com to find out all about me and the other stuff I do. Fantastic. Thank, thank you so much for joining it's been us my today. Pleasure, Christoph. Thanks and for sharing your me. knowledge. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And tomorrow, episode 254, it'll just be me. Happy Thanksgiving in the United States. But I know people are listening in 100-plus countries. Actually, I'm going to have one more question about that in a minute. So we will have an episode tomorrow, but it's just me talking about social media comments that won't help you build your brand. Unveiled. How's that for a teaser? Gordon, how about well, other countries? you know, copyright law, uh, one of the areas we've been talking about a lot today, <laughs> is an international uh, law. There, we Each country has its own copyright laws, but 186 or maybe it's 189 countries now have signed on to the Berne Convention, which is the International Treaty on Protection of Copyrights. And basically, under the law, e each country is required to honor the laws of the other countries. So here, if you're creating a, a, a podcast episode here in the United States and you're using or you're using content from someone in the United States, you're probably subject to American copyright law. If you're creating it in another country and you reside in that other country, then you're probably governed by that country's laws, which is why I was, I was careful to mention that you know the fair use defense to copyright is a strictly United States provision because we have the First Amendment free speech guarantees. Not all countries have that, and not all countries have an equivalent or an analog to, uh, to fair use. So it really only works here in the U.S. Very interesting. How does it work if I'm traveling to Europe and let's say I'm in Spain and I'm recording a podcast there? Am I now theoretically well, you might be, covered? You know, subject to that? local law while you are there doing what you're doing. But I think your your show is still the country of origin is the origin where of the, is the excuse me the country where you live and your company is located and headquartered. That's your your center of business operations, essentially. And I think that's the country's law that would really apply. Very interesting. Thanks for the discussion. And very journalistic of me like, to have a question after I already wrapped up the show. It's like Columbo. Uh, well, on just the one way more out. question. <laughs> <laughs> just one more question, and then we're done. Uh, Gordon, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving in the United States. And uh, until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. 
And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.